It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. God is good. It's good to be together. Well, this morning, uh, before we dive in, I just want to uh, say a few things. Thank you to our 30 more or less group who decorated this place for Christmas. We're so thankful for their, their time and effort. Really grateful for that. There's many things to be grateful for. Um, just also want to let you guys in uh, um, some of the things that, so you can pray and be aware, some of the couple things that our leaders and some teams are, are thinking about um, and I'd like you to be praying about is uh, looking at next year, uh, our downtown ministry has really outgrown its, its space, especially with kids, and so uh, we're looking at what, what do we need to do with building down there so we can see that ministry continue to develop and grow. And then up here on the hill, looking at our parking lot, saying, okay, how can we make this a, a little more accessible, better for people? And so those are some, some things that as a congregation we'll have to make some decisions on in the year to come, but I just invite you to be praying and aware. We have some people working on those, those things, and, and so it's important that you guys are aware of that and praying with us. And then uh, the other thing I'd just like to invite you in as we end 2018, to, as you're looking at your end of year giving, that you would consider Rimrock Church as a, as a place to give as we uh, finish this year and look into the coming years. I'm so excited about what God has done and will do, continue to do through, through this church. God is so, so good. Also, uh, Boomer has uh, been working with us in this Advent series to develop some activities for parents and grandparents to do with your kids during the week. Um, so if you go out in the foyer and the, this wall on this side, um, so my right, your left, uh, once you go outside the door, there's some boxes with some activities and I'd invite you to stop by, pick one up, and it's following the sermon series of Advent and there's some fun, engaging activities and we'll open up some great conversations, I pray, with you and your, your kids and grandkids, so be aware of that. Would you join me in prayer as we open the word of God? Lord, you are awesome. <laughs> I don't have the words to say it, but God, you, your glory, your, your worth this morning is, is magnificent, Lord. And I just pray that our hearts, our minds, our bodies, everything would be engaged with you this morning. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. God, speak to us. Awaken us to your light to your truth, to your love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Advent is, a, is an amazing thing that I believe God has invited us to be part of. And it literally means coming. Um, and it's this expectation, longing for the arrival. Two weeks ago, Nick uh, did a phenomenal job opening up this series in Mark chapter 2, where Jesus declares, I am the bridegroom. <laughs> and so as other people were fasting, Jesus' disciples were feasting, and Jesus said, they feast because I'm here. I'm here with them. But there will come a day when my followers will fast as well. And so Nick introduced the idea of, of fasting during this period. Now you may be scratching your heads thinking, man, usually in the church they talk about fasting uh, leading up to Easter and Lent, but I think there's something really special about this season of fasting. And we don't do this out of obligation or law. Jesus, Jesus taught a whole new way of fasting, but it's an opportunity for us to give up good things, maybe special things, but put them aside and say, Jesus, you 
are more worth my love, my attention. And so it becomes a heart-forming thing of love and listening and understanding who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our lives. And so I'd invite you during this season, maybe there's food or maybe there's a drink or maybe there's um, um, some other entertainment or media that God is asking you to give up. And I, I trust the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us in different ways and unique ways of what that could look like in your life. But it's a special time to do that because we are longing for Jesus. He is our treasure. And then Bill last week talked about hope. One of the gifts that Jesus has brought to us in this in-between time of Advent where Jesus has arrived at Christmas but we're looking forward to a second coming and that passage in 1 Peter talks about resurrection hope that gives us a living hope. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have confidence that God will accomplish what he has promised, that he will do it. And in that passage, it talks about suffering and trials. And that's, that's a reality for us. But we have this hope because God is with us. And it's an incredible gift, an invaluable gift that Jesus has given us. And this morning, we're going to go back to one of the prophets, Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, as you're going, opening your Bible, I'd like to ask you to stand. I, I know we don't do this every Sunday, but I'd like you to stand as we read God's word. And the reason we stand is, you know, culturally, when we sing the national anthem or, or a flag comes in, we stand out of respect and honor and to say this is important. And for us, we believe God has revealed himself through his word. And so probably one of the most important things we do when we gather is the public reading of God's word. And so we do this in honor of God and understand the importance of this for our lives. And so you can turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9 or it will be on the screen. And I'll start in verse 1 uh, through verse 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people. Rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder, as for in the days of Midian's defeats you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. You may be seated. This is such an important passage in Advent as we go back to the prophets. And we need to go back to Isaiah's day, which was 700 years or more before Jesus arrived. And so he's a prophet. He's been called by God to to. to declare the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel. 
And the context here you need to understand in, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 8, is, is Isaiah doesn't have an encouraging message for Israel. <laughs> He, he wasn't getting a lot of encouraging notes uh, from the people as he preached because his was a message of warning and judgment because the people in Israel had departed from God. They had left and stopped listening to God's word. They had stopped seeking God and they had begun to worship other, other things. And so the nation had become divided, had become weak. And God was warning the people, and in Isaiah chapter 8, Isaiah says, God is going to raise up the Assyrians to bring an army and destroy Israel. Now, I'm sure the people were not happy <laughs> to hear that message, and, and we wouldn't want to hear that message either, but we have to understand the context of what we are reading this morning in Isaiah chapter 9. But you know what's so encouraging in Isaiah chapter 8? In the midst of of that hard, difficult message, Isaiah cries out, Emmanuel, <laughs> Emmanuel. So even in the midst of a discouraging, hard message, Isaiah was saying, God is with us. God has not abandoned us. God has a purpose, he has a plan, and he has not rejected us. And so Emmanuel, this word that we sang this morning, this idea that God is with us is embedded in the prophetic message that God loves his people, that he redeems his people, that he will save his people. But the reality of darkness, we're introduced in this chapter 9 verse 1 that there is gloom for those in distress, so the reality of darkness. And so when we talk about Advent, we have to understand the environment in which we exist, in which we live, which is one of darkness. Just as in Isaiah's day, I would argue that we continue to live in darkness. Now, how many of you parents know the bedtime battle with your kids? <laughs> Some of you know that battle. I faced that battle for many years now. <laughs> and one of the things my youngest son likes to do is I like to tell him it's bedtime and he says no it's not ready for bed and so what I do is I pick him up and we walk to the window and I look and I say is it dark or is it light out and he looks at me and says dad it's a sunny day <laughs> without fail <laughs> I love his optimism but <laughs> but isn't that true of our human condition is that we know it's dark, but we don't like what that means. And so we, we cover it up. We try to, to, to pretend it's not there. And Advent exposes the reality of the darkness around us. And the call in Isaiah is to see the light that God is piercing and bringing into that darkness. But let, let's do something this morning. Because darkness is a, is, a, is a word that is describing the reality of, of suffering and hardship and difficulty and pain in our lives and our world. So let me ask you, this past week, this past month, this past year, have you had depression? Have you struggled with anxiety? Have you had health problems? Have you had loved ones who've had health problems? Have you had relational conflicts, work struggles? Have you faced economic stress, financial strain, have you been overwhelmed by what's happening around you in our world? 
Do you have wounds from war, from a divorce, from breakups of friendships, relationships with kids? Have you struggled with addictions? Have you faced rejection? There's still darkness, isn't there? And we've experienced it. Now let me just ask, if that applies to any of you, would you just raise your hand if any of those things, have you faced any darkness? And I include myself. Now look around. I want you to look around. Now here's what I want you to see. You can put your hands down. You're not alone. Almost all of us this past week, month, or year have faced some kind of darkness. You're not alone. That's so important to understand. That's so important to understand because just as in Isaiah's day, we continue to face the darkness. Now, we have to not cover that up or pretend it's not there. And and we're really good at that, aren't we? But we have to understand the reality, to understand the advent, that God is doing something. He's breaking into that reality of darkness. And so Isaiah chapter 9 says, the first word I love, nevertheless. Isn't that a great word? Nevertheless, even though we've been through those things this past year, even though you face that darkness, there will be no more gloom. Hold on to that promise. You will face trials, you will face struggles, as 1 Peter said, but there's no more gloom. Amen? What's the difference? What's the difference? Isaiah's gonna tell us, because a light has come into the world. And I love this prophecy because it's not just a, a, a philosophical thing, it's, it's a reality that, that's physical, that's historic, that's geographic because he, he names a place, a location where this is gonna start in Galilee, in Galilee. And this is a place people knew about and maybe they knew people from there. We know that's where Jesus grew up. And where he lived, Capernaum of Galilee, where where Jesus began his public ministry, right? And so right here we're saying, we're hearing from God saying, God's going to do something to pierce that darkness. The people walking in the darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Don't you love sunrises? I love sunrises. Isn't it f- amazing that at Christmas time we, we put so many lights out? When Jesus came the first time on Christmas, God was bringing light into our world. The reality of darkness is still there, but God is beginning something in John chapter 1. And if you remember when I first came here to Rimrock, this is where we started, was in the book of John. Jesus the word in John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it amen (laughs) Jesus changes everything His arrival has brought light into our world, into our hearts. And where do we see that? And even though we see the darkness and the struggle and the suffering, when we see Jesus, we see life and we experience life. And so this Advent, we're talking about the gifts that Jesus has brought. And we started out talking about new life. He has given us new life. He is the life. We talked about hope 
last week. This week we're talking about Jesus being the gift. We're going to talk about peace. We're going to talk about joy and love. You see the light that God is birthing in his heart, in our hearts, even in the midst of the darkness. And so Isaiah in verses three through five gives us some examples of how we will feel when we experience the light, when we experience Jesus. How will we feel? And so he's using some examples of everyday life or or big events in life that will help us grasp the kind of joy, the kind of hope that we will have when we understand the piercing light that's coming into our lives. And so he uses some examples. He starts in verse three, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. He's talking about prosperity and and greatness in the nation and so we can understand that uh, looking back at Israel we can think about that as Americans at times in our history when when things have gone well as a country and you feel that joy and that peace and that that hope as your nation is extending and is established and is prospering and so he uses that as an example to help us understand the light that has come and then he talks about they rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Now, I don't think there's too many farmers. There's a few farmers here who understand the feeling of bringing in the harvest. Uh, my father-in-law was a, har- a farmer, so I got to be part of that a little bit. But, but in our terms, we think about it, when you get that paycheck or at the end of the year, you get a big bonus or something, how do you feel? <laughs> you feel pretty good. You feel joy. That's what he's talking about here is that when you have that feeling, that's what it's like to light. He says, as people rejoice, as warriors rejoice when they're dividing the plunder. Now, not very many soldiers here, but um, this year I was invited to be part of a fantasy football league <laughs> for the first time in my life, so I'm learning about that. But I'm learning that some groups actually have a, a, a jackpot or a plunder that they take at the end if they win. And so he's saying it's kind of like that. If, if you win at this, um, this competition and you get... The, the, the results of that. And so he's saying that's kind of feeling of getting that, 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 that results, that, that jackpot. For in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders. And so this is a reference back to Gideon, the judge, where God raised up Gideon and the Israelites to, to defeat the Midianites who are surrounding them and going to destroy them. And yet God gave them a, a battle of victory. I think about in our day, in my lifetime, when we have fought this long war against terrorism and the day that I got the news that Osama bin Laden was taken out. And there was this sense of relief, right? A sense of joy that 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 was no longer hanging over us. The yoke that burdens them across their shoulders will be destroyed. And so these are all examples taken from people's lives in Isaiah's day, but things we can understand to help us understand when light comes in the darkness, the result is joy, hope, relief, peace in our lives. And then this final one in verse five, every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. You know, war is a difficult thing. We've been at war for many years here in America. Very few of us know the true cost of war. I know soldiers and their families know it on a much deeper level. I remember a few years ago back in Minnesota visiting with a friend who had uh, served many tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. 
and taking an extended time just to talk to him about that experience. And as, as he was sharing, this strong, tough guy began to weep with the scars and the wounds of the terrible nature of war. And after I left that conversation, I understood to a whole new degree the pain. And when I read this promise that those days of sorrow will be ended, those boots and those those garments burned, meaning an end to war and strife. Just this past week, I got a call from a friend who lives here in South Dakota, who was born in a country called Burma. He was a minority, a Karen, who was persecuted, his people. When he was a, a, a kid, he watched his house get burned by soldiers. And so he and his family had to run into the jungle and survive off whatever they could find. And they saw family members killed and people um, um, tortured. And so they became refugees along with thousands and thousands of other people between Thailand and Burma. And he made it here to the United States. But... Um, Here's where we see the light. When I talk to him, he's a follower of Jesus and the light has pierced his heart and instead of sorrow and anxiety and and terror, his life is filled with joy and peace and love because Jesus has been born in his heart. But even as we talked, he told me he still has family members who are suffering the effects of war and oppression and are just barely hanging on to life. And so when I read this promise... (laughs) What God wants to do in our world is he wants to bring an end to these things. He wants to bring an end to that so there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more death, no more need, no more gloom and despair. God's purpose is to bring life. And so the reality of darkness in our world, but the reality that light is shining in And so just like Isaiah's day, we look around us and we can become overwhelmed by the darkness, but then we see the promise of Isaiah and we look back to Christmas (laughs) and the coming of, of Jesus. And so no longer do we face the darkness with despair and gloom, but rather we have new life. We have hope, we have peace, we have joy and love. Why? Because Jesus has come like that light that has dawned. And he is the gift. In verse six, It culminates, for to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And as Isaiah was revealed to him through the Spirit of God, what God was doing, he saw into the future, and he was looking at it, not just in the future, but as a reality that God was going to provide a son (laughs) to bring about a change, a transformation. And it was going to begin through a small child, And we, standing here thousands of years later, can look back to that night in Bethlehem where Mary, a virgin, was with child. And she and her husband, Joseph, were in Bethlehem in the stable. And there they were, and they were witnessing the birth of the Son of God, the creator of the universe. The one who spoke everything into being, the light of the world. And they saw him as a a child, as a son given And those shepherds who were in the field and the heavenly host who appeared in glorious light and said, rejoice, (laughs) glory in God because God is doing something amazing tonight. And he invited them to go and to see this child, this son that was given. 
I am stunned. <laughs> we are stunned in awe of the plan of God, that he would choose to use something so small and so humble as a, as a baby. But we know it's so much more than just the baby in the manger, don't we? <laughs> because Jesus lived a life where he experienced our darkness. He experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. He experienced hard work. He experienced all the things that we experienced, temptation. And he experienced a painful, cruel death on a cross. But he did it for a purpose because he was God himself, Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of our darkness. And he showed us and he created a new way to live because he defeated sin and death once and for all. He died on the cross and he rose again to bring life, <laughs> to bring light into our hearts so that we no longer go through the darkness of this world the same way. The kingdom of God, Jesus said, is not out there. He said it's in here. <laughs> it's inside you. And so what God began through Jesus, through his birth, his death, his resurrection starts in here, in us, in us. But Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's small. And the world looks at Jesus and they think of him as small. The world wants to relegate Jesus to a private thing. To, you know, everyone's happy as long as we talk about Jesus here. But you start talking about Jesus out there in the, in the world, in the workplace, in the schools, in other places. What happens? People say, take him away. We don't want him. He's small in their eyes. But what does Jesus say? That small seed grows and pretty soon it overtakes everything. Everything is overtaken. And so what God begins at Christmas through a child, through a son, through a faith seed that's birthed into every human heart begins to grow and overcome everything else. And so we begin to see the plan and the purpose of God in Isaiah where he says, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. <laughs> so what became, became, began as something small and what seemed insignificant is what we believe and we have staked our lives on as the, the most powerful move of God in all of human history. <laughs> we understand this not as small and insignificant, but as powerful. And we've experienced it in our own lives. And so that we can live now in this in-between time between Jesus' birth and his second coming when he will come as a king and we can live new, different lives. Even though we're living in this darkness of this world, we live different because we understand that Jesus is the treasure. We understand that God has changed us from the inside and it's working its way out, that we have new life, we have hope, we have peace, we have joy, we have love, we have God with us and we know the plan and the purposes of God that's starting with us in Romans chapter 8 it says it, it, that God's redemption his plan begins with the sons of God but he says all of creation all of creation everything will be redeemed one day everything will be made right everything will be made the way it was meant to be we will really live as God is king 
and his kingdom comes. And so we look forward in Advent to that day when Jesus will be fully revealed as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Isaiah sees that day when he says, and the government will be on his shoulders. Now, we know that word leadership and that word lead is, is, a, is a take from lead, which is weight. And in, it, all of you have been in some kind of leadership responsible role. And so you know the weight, right, of leadership. And here's the reality in our world. We all fail at it. I fail at it. We all fail at it. We're, we're incapable of, of fully leading the way that the world needs, that others need. And so the ultimate promise is that God himself will take that weight, <laughs> that God himself will rule rightly, correctly. And the result of that is what? The result of that is his grace, his glory and goodness, but it's also our victory it's our freedom it's our ability to experience life the way it was meant to be lived and so he takes upon that weight and i tell you the longer i live the more i long for the leadership and the lordship of jesus over my life and all things don't you long for that and this promise is that god will do that through jesus that he will carry the weight upon his shoulders and would you just worship with me that he will be called Wonderful Counselor? Do you see the, the, the Trinity revealed here as the Holy Spirit? Next week we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And we see his name as Counselor. And here we see Jesus revealing the Spirit of God as the Wonderful Counselor, the one who produces awe and wonder in our lives as he leads us and guides us and counsels us into how to live. And we see this title, Mighty God, a God who is mighty and strong and has the victory everlasting father do you see the trinity and spirit son and then the father forever and ever our good good father and the prince of peace and this word peace means shalom so it's not just the absence of war but it is wholeness completeness it's that absolute rest and that we are to be the way god meant us to be to really live in shalom this is why we worship, because we understand who Jesus is. <laughs> Not just as the baby in the manger, but as these amazing things that reveal who God is. Of his greatness and his government and peace, there will be no end. And we look at our world and we're all grasping for greatness through different things, right? Um, even in our, our nation, we talk a lot about greatness but we don't quite achieve it, we don't quite experience it, but here the promise is when Jesus is king that we will experience greatness. <laughs> it will be great. And he will reign forever and ever with justice and righteousness. And I love how this ends. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. There's very few places in the scripture where it talks about the passion of God. <laughs> God is passionate here and he's saying, I will do this. I will do this. I will accomplish this. And we, as his children, we've placed our faith in this. We've said, yes, God, you will do this. And we're gonna have the servers come up. We're gonna take communion this morning. And I wanna, as we prepare for communion, I wanna read something out of Ephesians because I think the Apostle Paul looked back in Advent, we look back, we look at our present, and we look into the future. And this is what Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working 
of his power. Do you understand this is the power of God working? And though I'm less, the less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And that's what we're proclaiming today is that Jesus is the gift, that he is the treasure, and that we are so amazed by who he is and what he's doing to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. But his intent was that now, through the church, that's through us, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms. You see what God is doing? He's making his plan known to us. His, his plan to bring his rightful rule to end suffering, to end darkness in our world according to his, his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you believe it? Amen. We're going to take communion this morning. And so what I want you to do is take the cup, take the bread, hold on to it, and then we're going to take it all together.